0: So you can put the first slide up, uh, which is the message, and you already had the scripture read. It's a powerful, powerful scripture. But I just want to give you kind of a preamble to that, because you've been talking about Exodus and Moses and all that great stuff. And by the way, I just want to add a kind of a Jewish thing to it, because in the in the Jewish Passover Seder, okay, there's a little text which they get to the part of the plagues, and they read each plague. And they say in, in Hebrew, it's it would be enough. If God did only that, it would be enough, you know? And, and each one, they read that, and they say, to which means it would be enough. But with God, it's never enough. He wants to really move in and touch your lives and bless us because he loves us. He wants us to have fellowship with him. Amen? And that'll be enough. So I just want to... Um, do a preamble to kind of plug in to the dates of of where you've been going in uh, Pastor Sonny's messages and where we are now in this message because uh, uh, from Moses to Solomon was approximately 480 years. So 480 years from last week, I know time goes fast, but, you know, 480 years from last week or 12 generations, uh, Bible generations, we come to Solomon. And some of us know the story of Solomon. He was King David's son. And interestingly enough, folks, he was also the lineage of Jesus. And interestingly enough, folks, he was the second child to be conceived through Bathsheba. I want you to know this morning that the very worst that's happened in your life, even though Satan will just kind of eat your bacon with that stuff, I want you to know it's under the blood of Jesus if you put it there, and if you are repented for it, and continually, God will use that, all that bad stuff that has happened in history in your life for his good. Because even the bad stuff, even the stuff that we've done that we would normally regret, even that stuff is part and parcel of who we are now in Jesus. It's not just that God can use as a testimony It's that God uses it to make us the person he has determined we should be. The calling and the person and the presence of Jesus. So, good hope. Don't despair about the junk. Just press on in Jesus by the blood of Jesus. So, I want you to know that one of the things that we need to think of in this whole thing is God keeps his covenant. He's a covenant-making God. One morning, many years ago, when I was shaving, God's got a sense of humor with me. Shaving and showering are the holy places. I don't know, not really, but God talks to me there a lot. And if you think I'm a peculiar person, then look in the mirror, because we're all peculiar people in Jesus, that's what the Bible says, okay? <laughs> and so, I know that's only good for guys, because they shave in the mirror, right? So, God, can we talk to guys? No, no, no. Anyway, I was shaving in the mirror, and and I'd been laboring for a couple of days over, Lord, I want more faith, I want more faith, and thinking about the faith of a mustard seed. And uh, uh, the Lord had spoken to me when I was praying about that, that the faith of mustard seed is not about the size of the seed, but the genetic structure of the seed. Mustard seeds don't make apple trees. Okay? And so what God places in our life and faith, it has the genetic structure, if you will, to reproduce after its kind. Isn't that neat? So when Jesus talked about the faith of a mustard seed, he was talking about the fact that in the mustard seed is a new mustard plant, mustard bush. Okay? They're not a tree, but they're a big bush. Okay, and so in the, the apple seed, there is an apple tree with a whole bunch of new apples. And, and I've blown away one day when I cut open a pumpkin, and I looked in the pumpkin, and there were hundreds and hundreds of seeds that came from one seed. And the Lord, the Lord kind of laughed in my heart, and he said, you're not even counting properly because there's also hundreds of pumpkins that came from that one seed. <laughs> you know, his economy is fantastic. We can't out God, and we can't outguess God. Okay, so I was shaving and i have been laboring over this and the Holy Spirit spoke to me, Jesus spoke to me. He said, Ken, faith is a no-brainer. I know, Lord, it's the heart. And he said, no, 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 you're not listening. <laughs> he says that to me a lot, hallelujah. Anyway, uh, and he repeated himself. He doesn't do that very often except when he's trying to get through to us. And he said, Faith is a no-brainer because you're here, you're shaving. And I hold all of the atoms in the universe together. Scientists say they want to fly apart. Hey, I hold them together with the integrity of my word and my covenant. And he said, the minute I am not true, the minute I am unfaithful, you don't exist. Think about it, folks. Folks. It's easy to believe in a God who never, ever, ever changes his mind. Same yesterday, today, and forever. And he keeps covenant. He doesn't change. He is faithful to us and faithful to his word. Totally. Hey, you're all here this morning. I guess he kept his word this morning when he got up. Amen? So, you know, it's, it's, it's easy to believe in a God that is faithful, that keeps covenant. So when we're going through this message God willing, he will place on our hearts that he is a covenant keeper. And the beauty of that is he made many covenants in the former covenant. And uh, it wasn't just one covenant, by the way. It wasn't just the old covenant. He made a covenant with Adam. He made a covenant with Noah. He made a covenant with David. You know, he made a covenant with Solomon, which we'll find out this more this morning. And and uh, But he finally, because every one of those guys broke it. But God kept his part. And finally, in Jesus Christ, he made a covenant with a man that cannot be broken. You can't break it. It's made with Jesus. You can only enter into it or not. Amen? So he made a covenant with Jesus that cannot be broken, and we enter in by the blood of Jesus through repentance and through his grace and by faith. That's amazing. And he will never break it. And we don't have to keep it; we just have to follow Him with great joy, and He will keep it in us. He's faithful. So the uh, later on, also, which we're not going to go into this morning for sake of time. I know you want to get out for lunch after, and maybe something in the afternoon. <laughs> but uh, later on in in this timeline, Solomon built the temple that David wasn't allowed to build. David was the architect, and Solomon actually built it. And when he built it, he dedicated it to God. And we don't have time to read that scripture, but kind of Ken Holland can paraphrase. He said, God, this is your temple which you gave a vision to David, my father, and it's now built, and now we ask you to show up, and God did. We have in scripture that God showed up so much and so thoroughly, the whole temple, think about the Jewish temple, Solomon's temple, the whole temple was filled with a smoke and a fog, and even the priests had to leave wonder what would happen this morning, Pastor Sonny, if Jesus showed up like that. Amen? But we are privileged to see him by faith, as as Jesus said to Thomas. And Jesus did show up to Thomas, so he's faithful to help us through. So Temple. Solomon's Temple, Solomon initially got into that place because he asked for wisdom. 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 We need wisdom. But as we are going to find out, we need to also be careful what kind of wisdom. Okay? Now, a couple of things from the scripture which Sonny read this morning. You know, um, first of all, in uh, in verse 9, Solomon calls the Jewish people uh, the numerous as the dust of the earth. Now, we can read a lot into that. He might have been saying that there are a lot of people, but at that time, there were not a lot of people like there are today of Jewish people and Christians around the world. You know, they numbered in the uh, hundreds of thousands, um, maybe even a million or two, but it wasn't the dust of the earth. I think, personally, that when I read that in the Hebrew, that he was actually, you know, being insecure, that he was actually, you know, you know, the dust of the earth. I mean, there's just so many of them. You know, like this is, this is a huge task. Like Ken Hollington praying about being a director. in <laughs> CBOQ. You know, you get, you get this and, yo, know, oh, Lord, this is a huge task. And the Lord says, don't worry about it. I know the beginning from the end. I'll carry you through, right? So that's where Solomon's heart was at, at that time. But his heart was for God. The one thing that he inherited from David, his father, was a heart for God. And you and I need a heart for God. As David the psalmist said, oh, search me, O oh God. Try me. Know the junk in my life and my heart and get rid of it because I just want a heart for you. David wasn't perfect. You know the story. He made a lot of mistakes. He goofed a lot. Uh, you know, he was, he was uh, you know, tasked and called to clean out all the Canaanites, and, you know, he made some mistakes there, and he probably went too far in some cases, because God said, you can't build a temple because you're a man of blood. You know, I read I read one docu- Hebrew documentary on David, and it was really fascinating, because, you know, we think of David as the guy playing the harp, and, you know, tending sheep. Let me tell you, David probably had a muscle in, in his right arm that was about the size of that because they carried a big sword and they did battle and some of the battles he did were incredible. He shed a lot of blood. And yet God was with them because they had a heart for God. And Solomon inherited that. And so God answered, because this was in your heart and you have not asked for anything else that was worldly, materialistic, you asked for wisdom, I will give you wisdom. Wisdom. How many know that God loves to give gifts? Amen? God loves to give gifts. And sometimes we shortchange God because we say, oh, Lord, I'm not worthy. He says, I know that. Come to Jesus. (laughs) The way, the truth, the life, that no man comes to the Father but by me, Jesus says. He knows we're unworthy. That's why Jesus went to the cross. And so if you don't know Jesus this morning, the sound of my voice, the reality is you can. I I had a guy... My wife and I did. Uh, were involved in the Jesus Movement here in Toronto back in the 60s and 70s. Does that date me? <laughs> and it was a fantastic time. We saw hundreds come to Christ. We saw, we saw all kinds of miracles, and it really spoiled me for denominationalism. Because you know? <laughs> God doesn't fit in the box when he's out there in the street. And I encourage you, if you've got a calling to be out in the street, sharing your faith with people, do it. Because that's where people live, by the way, out there anyway uh, we saw miracle after miracle and uh, and one guy came to me said he said he was almost in tears you know because he'd been witness to a number of times some don't get in people's face he people had gotten his face and yeah oh, you're going to hell you're going to hell if you don't see receive Jesus you know and and he was gotten really turned off and he knew he's going to hell nobody had to tell him because he was living a really strange life and he came to me and he said, How many sins does it take for God to send you to hell? Think about it. I said, you got it wrong in two counts. I said, first of all, God does not send anybody to hell. People choose to go to hell. God doesn't send you there. The human race is going to hell unless they accept Christ. And so... Uh, I said the second part of your question is it only takes one sin. Just like it only took one sin to cause the whole human race to fall into this fallen state. One sin. It only takes one sin to go to hell. And that sin is rejecting Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Interestingly enough, it only takes one prayer to get you into heaven. Accepting Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. By grace are we saved. Through faith. It's a free gift of God. Not of anything that we do. (laughs) You cannot earn your way into heaven, folks. Not of anything we do. Jesus did it. We have to accept what he did. We have to accept the payment that he made. And we have to embrace it into our lives. That guy got saved that day. because he didn't realize how gracious and loving Jesus is in what he accomplished on the cross. And so he prayed that prayer. And so by not praying that prayer, by not receiving Jesus, and by the way, that wasn't the end of that, because that guy went on to walk with Jesus, because look outside, it's springtime, everything is growing Everything God created grows, and he expects us to grow in the stuff that he's put in our lives. He doesn't want us to be stagnant. There's no such thing as a stagnant Christian. It doesn't exist. <laughs> Either you're growing in Jesus or you're not. <laughs> and what's the option, right? And so God gave Solomon wisdom, and because Solomon asked for wisdom, he got everything else. Interesting. Interesting. Interesting, when we abide in God's wisdom, we abide in Christ, God then is able, because we're available to him, we have a heart for him, to do neat things in our lives. If he wants us rich, he'll do it. Because Solomon wasn't concerned about being rich. He wasn't a prosperity gospel person. He wasn't. He was a God-centered, God-hearted person. He wanted wisdom, period, so he could do the job that God had given him. And, and, you know, so he got all of that stuff, but, and I've done, I've done a study on Solomon, a a secular study, and it's really interesting, some of the stuff he did, he developed silver mines well south of Jerusalem, I think it's about 20, 30 miles, don't quote me on it, but 20, 30 miles south of Jerusalem, silver mines that were second to none in the world at that time. He was trading with Egypt, and he was the main trader with Egypt, you know, he did amazing things. Amazing, amazing things. He built that temple. It was huge. It was wonderful. Incredible. And God was pleased to dwell in it because it was a pattern of God's making. And the pattern was not bricks and mortar or architectural drawings. The pattern was God's heart was in it. Amen? And so let the pattern of this building, of this place, of this fellowship, even as you go out, let the pattern be God's heart in you. And in this body. Amen. So moving on. Hallelujah. (laughs) Bible says wisdom is the main thing. Get wisdom, and with all you're getting, get understanding. Proverbs 4 7. There are only two ways to walk in this life. There aren't options in this. Walk wisely, run wisely. If you get up in the middle of the night in a strange house and all the lights are off and it's totally dark, that's unwise. There are consequences and there is pain. <laughs> Choose to walk in wisdom. James three thirteen to 16 talks about wisdom. But we need to have this message before we have the message of the wisdom of God. Is that, yep, okay, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for all the people up there. I'm not talking about in heaven either. <laughs> I got one little tidbit here. You know, I see the body of Christ. A lot of Christians have received Jesus, and they're going, you know, they know they're going to heaven. My fire insurance paid up. I'm going to go to heaven, right? God's purpose after you get saved and born again and filled with the Spirit is to get heaven in me and heaven in you. Because Jesus said, the kingdom of God is within you. Amen? Okay. So James 3, 13 to 16. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. Now, to pause for a second, there's a big debate about, you know, between grace and works, okay? The debate ends in Jesus. Because he wants us to have works, but he doesn't want us to have works with our own hands. He wants us to have works with his hands in our lives. So works need to be an expression, an expression of our life in Christ, okay? Not, not well, I'm trying to do these good things for you, Jesus. Don't you recognize that? It's like doing the dishes and saying, honey, you shouldn't criticize me because I did the dishes. <laughs> No, 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 no. You should do the dishes because you want to do the dishes because it's in you to do that, okay? And so the good works that we have are expression of his life within us. But verse 14 says, But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. Truth is not a concept. I believe in the Bible, truth, if you look up in the Hebrew, It's talking about Jesus. Jesus says, I am. Remember that word, I am? You're taking Exodus. You know the beginning of that whole message series. Moses said, who are you? (laughs) He said, I am. Jesus, when they came to arrest him in the garden, Jesus said, who are you looking for? Oh, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus says, I am. The same Hebrew word, they all fell over. And then they proceeded to dust themselves off and get up and arrested him. I would have run the other direction, man. <laughs> He's the <like>, I am. <laughs> and so, you know, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. And I don't care what all the religions of the world say. That settles it for me. Because if that's true, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and life, and no man comes to the Father through me, then all the other ones have to step aside. And if that's not true, what are we doing here? It's the word of God. It's God breathed. Jesus said it. Now, truth is not a concept in the mind of God. Truth is a person. His name in the Hebrew is Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Truth is a person. So if we're looking for truth, we're looking for Jesus. Okay? And so... He says, you're false to the truth if you have jealousy, ambition, selfish ambition in your hearts. It's good to have ambition, but not selfish ambition. Uh, 15 says, this is not the wisdom that comes down from above, down from God, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where there's jealousy and selfish ambition exists, there will be disorder in every vile practice. Characteristics of this wisdom. Verse 14, bitter jealousy is pride. Jealousy comes from pride. Whenever a husband gets jealous over his wife, think about it, it's pride. It's pride that he's the one and nobody else can be. Wait a minute, I belong to God, she belongs to God, why would I be jealous? Do I trust God? Do I trust her? You know? So think about that mechanism. And strife in your hearts. That's hardness of heart. That's what it leads to when we have strife in our hearts. Our heart eventually gets hardened. And we talk about the pastor. We talk about the elders and the deacons. We talk about what's not right in the church. Well, you know, there are things that are not right in the church. Right? He's not going to say amen. (laughs) Listen, I've been around long enough to know there's one or two things wrong with the body of Christ. Not this church. This church is perfect. I really, by the way, just, just side note, I love coming here. I love to see all you all. I know a lot of you. I think this is one of the most loving churches I've ever been at. I'm, I'm not, I'm not patting you in the back. I just, that's my heart. But the reality is there are things, because we're people. We get two or three together. Jesus said if you get two or three together in my name, there I'm in the midst of us. You know why he has to be in the midst of us? Because you get two or three human beings together, they're not going to always agree. <laughs> and he needs to settle it. Okay? So the reality is that strife brings confusion. Strife brings hardness of heart and we don't need our hearts hardened we need our hearts softened towards god and if our hearts are softened towards god to be softened towards one another and yeah people will do us wrong but jesus has our back if we have a heart for him it works if we have time I tell you how I know i got lots of testimony lots of t-shirts so the thing of it is even in our even in our struggles if we do it jesus way Jesus will be glorified and will benefit. And we're lying against the truth. Lying against the truth, that's the father of lies. Who are we submitting to if we lie against the truth? If we take that kind of wisdom in our minds, in our hearts, we're taking the father of lies, Satan, as our cohort. 15, it says that's earthly. That is of the world system. Uh and it's sensual. That's of the carnal soul. Sensual is not just sexual. It's also ah, I want to do my own thing. I did it my way. Some people sing songs about that. It's devilish, James says. James had a lot of wisdom and a lot of knowledge of God. He says it's devilish. In other words, the devil eats your bacon sometimes because you're you're thinking. Thoughts that are wisdom from below, and it brings confusion. And Mark sixteen fourteen says, afterwards, he, Jesus, appeared to the 11 themselves as they were reclining a table. They, when you have lunch later, uh, if you're going to be really scriptural, you have to get rid of the chairs. <laughs> and he rebuked them. He rebuked them. These are the disciples that he'd been training for three and a half years. He's now risen and the resurrected Jesus rebuked them. How many know Jesus is no longer in the manger as a nice fuzzy little lamb? Right? Read Revelations 2 and 3. And uh, he rebuked them for their unbelief and the hardness of heart. There it is. They were, they had, Plugged into the world thing. You know, I don't know how he can be resurrected, even though he told us 1,500 times. <laughs> because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. I've been in a lot of Christian groups where they give testimonies, and uh, I'm really amazed that some people, they go away shaking their heads. So That was a really bad testimony. I got so much Jesus out of it, and they go away shaking their heads. You know? They didn't believe the ones who saw Jesus risen. That's why Jesus rebuked them and exhorted them. We have to believe what God shows us. And I'm hoping and praying that it's the Holy Spirit that's showing you things this morning, not just his messenger. Sources of wisdom, Genesis three, one eight. 8 We have to read this. I know you know the story, but there's some stuff in here that will show you what happened and how the devil works in wisdom. You know, the devil does not show up and say, hey, here I am, I'm the devil, look out. He's very subtle. He goes about like a roaring lion, seeking, devil seeks, seeking who he can devour, okay? So we need to have God's wisdom to avoid that pretend lion. Okay, so the scripture here is Genesis 3, verses 1 to 8. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say? Got to pause there because the reality is there's a lot of Christians and a lot of pastors nowadays reading the word of God. They say, did God actually say? I believe the word of God is God breathed. Yeah, he wrote it through a bunch of guys. But he's the one by his Holy Spirit that breathed it through them for us. That's why we have the Bible today. It's the manual. My car breaks down. I don't refer to a manual for a songbook. I refer to the manual of the manufacturer. The manual of the manufacturer is God's Word. We really, really need to know God's Word. But we need to read God's word with God's wisdom, with the power of the Holy Spirit. If we read it otherwise, I knew a guy in one church that I went to many years ago here in Toronto, that dates me. Uh, and uh, this guy knew every scripture in the Bible, chapter and verse, and could quote it, and you could not trick him. But he didn't, he didn't know Jesus. I'm not judging him. That's God's business to judge him. But it was really evident he didn't know Jesus. He didn't have the heart for God. He didn't speak well of God. Yet he knew the entire Bible. So we need to study God's word, but we need to study it with the echo of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. Amen? Serpent said, uh, did God actually say, 'You uh, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said, So the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. Was she quoting God? She got a second hand from Adam. Think about it. If you're coming to church and you're getting the word of God second hand from Pastor Sonny. Or if you're getting secondhand from this message, this, this messenger today, you're missing out, just like Eve did. She could have got it firsthand. They walked with God in the garden. She could have fellowship with God and said, now what did you tell Adam? God what told her? You know? But the serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die. Now we know for a fact that he was telling a little truth. He was. You know, any fishermen here? Come on. Any fishermen? You ought to come to North Bay. Almost everybody's a fisherman except me. (laughs) Anyway, in fishing, okay, you take a hook and you put some bait on it, and the fish says, oh, a hook, I'm going to avoid that. (laughs) No, he doesn't. He says, oh, a nice lunch, nice juicy meal, and he grabs onto it, and you got a fish. That's how the devil works, okay? The devil takes a little bit of truth and puts it on a hook. That's what makes it tasty. He said, you're not surely dying. And the little bit of truth that he was saying was after they ate from the tree, they didn't physically die. They died in their spirit. They died in their spirit. They were dead towards God. And you and I inherited When we're born that same nature. But praise be to God, when we're born again, born from above, we inherit a new nature, and our spirit came alive, and the Holy Spirit came inside us. And he lives in us. You are the temple of God. I know you guys weren't here the last time I was here preaching because there was nobody here except Sonny and and Jesse, but... (laughs) during COVID, but I did a really good sermon on the temple of God. You are the temple of God. I'm the temple of God. Now how much Holy Spirit do you have? I have 50%, Sonny has 50%, and that leaves out Wilbert. He doesn't, none. (laughs) That's not the way it works, folks. It's not a percentage game. Every one of us has 100% of God in the Holy Spirit in us. Isn't that neat? I find that exciting. I'm sorry I get excited. Not gonna apologize. Anyway, he says you will surely not die. They didn't die physically, they died spiritually. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. I want I want to I want you to think about this. One of, the thing, one of the traps the devil is he wants us to know the deep, dark secrets. He wants us to know the inside track. He wants us to know the the shadow internet. He wants us to know what's behind the government, all the conspiracy theories. And that's what he's saying here in the very beginning of the Bible. He has no new tricks. He's not a creator. He's a created being, okay? And so you will know the difference between good and evil. Yeah, right, okay. <laughs> I think what they got was only knowing evil. And so when the woman saw the tree was good for food and that it was de- a delight to the eyes, that's the carnal side, right? Even before she fell. And the tree was desirous to make one wise. What kind of wisdom? Uh, she took the f- fruit and ate it and she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate Husbands, Pause button. I'm not letting you off, wives, not letting you off, ladies. But husbands, listen, God has spoken directly to Adam. Adam should have said, wait a minute, not going to do this. But Adam, like a good husband, so yeah, 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 no problem. And we're still doing it today. <laughs> in a good way, amen? <laughs> okay, then the eyes of both were opened. Opened in what direction? They could see in the dark. <laughs> yeah. Who needs to see in the dark when you got light all around you? Okay, their eyes were opened. They knew they were naked. Hey, nobody told them before. And they sewed up fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Wait a minute. Nobody had been born yet. There's was just Adam and Eve. Who are they trying to hide from? They're trying to hide from God. I got some good news this morning. Nobody can hide from God. Nobody. Good, bad, or the ugly, you can't hide from God. And there's none good except in Christ. And the fact is that God is, if you don't know Jesus yet, God is, is searching you out. God is chasing you down. God wants you born again more than your friends do. I got a little, you know, I'm really amazed at how God is patient, okay? Just a couple, of, about a week and a half ago, we celebrated a thing called uh, Shavuot in the Hebrew calendar. Shavuot is a celebration in the Hebrew calendar of giving the law, okay? At the, at, you, you, you talked about it, right? God, Moses came down off the mountain and said, here's the law. And in Scripture, especially when you read in the Hebrew, God actually said to the children of Israel through Moses, here's the law. Now you can have God's Holy Spirit, okay, in Hebrew it's called uh, Ruach uh, HaKatesh, okay, the Holy Spirit. You can have the Holy Spirit whereby you can obey the law. You know what he said? He said, we don't need him. We can do it ourselves. Yeah, 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 yeah. How's that working out for you? Okay. So Shavuot is a celebration of the bringing of the law. God offered them the Holy Spirit. Okay? They rejected him. And they paid the consequences. Do you know there's consequences in everything? If you jump out of of an airplane without a parachute, there are consequences. (laughs) No matter how much you pray. Now, the interesting thing about Shavuot is the Jewish people every year would celebrate Shavuot on the calendar. Okay? Now, Come to the New Testament, the Book of Acts. The day the Holy Spirit was poured out upon the 120, and then the 3,000 was shavot. Think about it. The very day that God offered them the law and the Holy Spirit, 3,000 some years later, you can do the math, and uh, God got His own way. They rejected the Holy Spirit back then, but now on the same day, the anniversary day, God poured out his Holy Spirit. The message for you and I is God is going to get his own way. He's more patient and more long-living than you are, and he's going to get his way. So he may as well give up and surrender now. <laughs> Amen? I think he's amazing. I really do. 3,000 years later, he says, yep. No problem. Now I've got people who are listening to me. <laughs> and and uh, so they made clothing for themselves, and they discovered they're naked, and, and they heard a sound of the Lord walking in the garden. Now, I want you to recognize something. They had sinned, drastically, a sin that took the whole human race into sin, that took the world into sin. The world was a perfect place. No mosquitoes, I don't think. I mean, that's my own theology. I can't find it anywhere in the Bible. <laughs> but uh, the whole world was brought into sin by their one act, by their one sin, and yet God was still there looking for them. You cannot sin too much for God not to love you and not to look for you, and not to seek you out, hunt you down, and say, surrender. <laughs> and so God came looking for them, okay? And, and, and it goes on to say, which I'll paraphrase, he says, hey, Adam and Eve, where are you? <laughs> God knows everything. <laughs> he loves playing with us. And uh, they were hiding with the fig leaves, and so God made the first animal sacrifice. He he put skins from animals on them and clothed them. He was still caring for them, even in their state. Sources of wisdom, Matthew 6, 19 to 24. i got to hurry along here. Help me, Jesus. Uh, anybody asleep yet? Poke them. Uh, I used to tell a really good friend of mine who has gone to gone to glory ninety five years old that church was the best place to sleep because the reality is you're getting the word in as you're sleeping. <laughs> It says in uh, Matthew 6, 19, Do not lay up for yourselves in treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The heart is convertible. Not a ragtop. <laughs> It's a convertible thing because our heart is where we focus our attention. If you're married and you listen to your wife, uh, let's see, I've been married for 56 and a half years and I'm still learning that. (laughs) If you're married and you listen to your wife, it has major plus benefits because you're putting your heart into her in the marriage. I got all the guys chuckling, you know, the wives going like this. <laughs> anyway, the, the, you know, Jesus says, where your treasure is, there is your heart also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is unhealthy, your whole body will be full. If your eye is healthy, sorry, your whole body will be full of light. But when your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one, no one, no one here, no one out there. No one down a skid row or drug row. I have discovered firsthand, no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in money too. Now this is not just about money, because it says mammon, but it's a really good scripture for tithing. You know, so on, on behalf of Sonny and the deacons, you know, you really should tithe. But that's not where I'm coming from. Okay. I just thought I'd giving given advertisement. <laughs> okay. So where your heart is, there is your treasure also. So this diagram, can we go back to that diagram of the, the three circles, the three spheres with the heart on it? Yeah, there it is. Body, soul, and spirit. Just to have a pause here for a second. Adam and Eve, when they died, they died spiritually. That weight area didn't exist any longer. It was like a little kernel, a little shriveled up thing, you know. And, and, and we all inherit the same nature, soul and body. And when we got born again, our spirit came alive. The Holy Spirit came into us. But the problem is that many of us are still living in the soul. What God wants is he wants the Holy Spirit to be released into our soul and our body, Okay? That's what Jesus is talking about here. So the wisdom of God will work that into you because you'll hear from God through the wisdom of God. Sources of wisdom. Next slide. James says, man's natural human wisdom, which comes from the soul, okay, even when you're born again Christian, man's natural wisdom will get you in trouble. Man's natural wisdom is earthly and demonic. Man's wisdom is limited to what earthly man can conceive and understand apart from God. Because man's wisdom is limited to this realm. I don't know about you, but I want God's wisdom. Because it's not limited. Many years ago, I began praying for God's wisdom, and I got it as a gift. But I continue to pray for God's wisdom because we have to grow in every good gift that God gives us. If we're not growing in those gifts, then what we're doing is we're resorting to the old, which is natural wisdom. Sources of wisdom. Next slide, Internet. Be careful from what source you acquire your wisdom. Amen? <laughs> I could do three sermons in this one, or 15. Okay, but I'm not going to. Be at peace. (laughs) Be careful what source you acquire wisdom. Be careful from what source you get your information. For example, InfoWars, Alex Jones, and QAnon. And I think I've said enough about that, because some of you know what I'm talking about. The problem with the information from this world, the data from this world, is it's earthly, carnal, and devilish. And way back, you know, Trump era and the first election with Trump and 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 then, then the uh, COVID and the pandemic and, and this, that and the other, you know, like I was getting email after email. And people don't send me very many of those emails anymore because they know I'm going to research them. <laughs> and so I research these things, go back to the source and find out the sources are totally, totally nuts. I like this next slide. And, you know this guy? A lot of truth in that movie, right? A lot of wisdom. Do we have have to become as babes to get the wisdom of God? Well, you kind of showed that in that movie, right? And he says, and just like that, everybody at Facebook stopped being infection disease experts and became international relations experts. Ukraine, the war in Ukraine. You know, people are getting all kinds of earthly wisdom about Ukraine. Go to God, find out. Internet and media deep fake. Uh, deep fake is like uh, they can take my video. Don't do it, Jesus name. Don't do it. They can take my video and they can put it out there and with with uh, with video manipulation, they make me say whatever they want me to say. The technology's got that good now. It's amazing. It takes a computer a little bit bigger than Jesse, so we, we, can, we can just relax. <laughs> but they can do it, and they've done it to some politicians, okay? So what, what can you trust? Matter of fact, I've had, I've had Christians come to me and say, oh, CBC, CTV, CNN, you can't trust them. I say, amen. But I'm not going to throw the baby over the bathwater. If CTV is telling me we're going to have a really bad storm in our area, I'm going to say, oh, you can't trust them, <laughs> you know? You need God's wisdom to discern what is real and what is false, what is phony and what is true. If God's wisdom is centered your heart, you can, you know, sometimes you don't sometimes with some of those emails, I don't need to do a lot of research. I have a delete button. <laughs> that does my research for me. Amen. So so Zelensky at the beginning of the war, there's deep fake video that showed him surrendering to the Russians. Hey. Has he ever surrendered the Russians yet? Not gonna, but it was circulating the internet. I didn't need to research that one. Just a delete button worked. <laughs> Alex Jones, okay, this guy, this guy. Alex Jones is one of the guys that President Trump, former President Trump, before he got elected and during his tenancy in the White House, he listened to Alex Jones a lot. I saw a documentary where Alex Jones would come off and say something, da-da-da-da-da, and a week later, President Trump at the time would say, da-da-da-da-da, word for word. I was just totally blown away by that. And he did it over and over and over again. Alex Jones had one conspiracy called peace Pizzagate gate gate was the idea that that Hillary Clinton and the Democrats were having some sort of uh, a occult thing uh, and a pedophile thing in a basement in in a in a pizza shop in Manhattan. And he was going on and on and on for months about this, right? So there's a Christian, a well-meaning Christian from central United States got himself a 45 automatic and traveled to Manhattan to deal with these Democrats. <laughs> you know, 45 automatic cannot be compared to prayer. But anyway, he did that. And uh, he got there, and there's no basement. Was it false? Yes. Can you trust the guy if he does stuff like that? He actually had to turn around and, 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 and uh, you know, change his mind, and he didn't repent. I don't think he knows how to repent yet. Anyway, so, so he, he undid all of that. Then he had another thing called Sandy Hook, a school shooting, if you remember that one, and, and he blamed that on the Democrats and he said that they engineered it all and it was all fake uh, and it wasn't a real shooting, and he actually got sued, successfully sued by the, the grieving parents of Sandy Hook because it was totally False. January 6th, you know, the stuff that happened January 6th. Even today, there's all kinds of garbage going around. I'm not saying the Internet's bad, bad, bad. It's the devil's tool. Get off of it. No. Hey, I got a phone. It's on the Internet. Hey, I got an iPad. It's on the Internet. Okay? Have the wisdom of God and be discerning. If you walk out this building uh, this morning, or maybe this afternoon or tomorrow, Uh, And somebody tells you, Jesus is not Lord. It doesn't take a lot of discernment, right? But the wisdom of God will jump up inside you, and you will witness to them that he is. Bitcoins, okay? We have a guy running for the uh, leadership of the uh, federal PC party that's really into bitcoins, and he was toting bitcoins, and all of a sudden bitcoins fell in one day 80%. Now they come up a little bit, so it's only about 40%. But the fact is, that wasn't true. If you don't know what bitcoins is, don't worry about it. Praise God. Just use dollars. Our prime minister likes dollars. I'm not going to go there. And then recently, the, there was a tornado, tornado weather warning in the central and the eastern states, the southern states. And and the internet, some of these guys, like Alex Jones, blamed that on Biden. He said that Biden had figured out how to control the weather. <laughs> Deliver us, Lord. There's lots of confusion. Now, What is your source of wisdom? Think about it for a second. It's all about the source. If you take a 12-volt battery and plug it into that socket there in the center, yeah, we got the picture, the socket in the center, you'll blow the battery. The battery is 12 volts. The socket is 120 volts. Not compatible. If you take your precious iPhone, I'm sorry I said that, uh, and, and plug it into that socket, you'll blow that. Because that's that's not 120 volts. So the source, even in music today, all music, all creativity, okay? I'm very, very creative. And I discovered many years ago, I, I, like, I like drawing, I, I have a bunch, bunch of paintings. If you go to Jesse's house, you'll see a painting in the wall, which every time I come here, I want to bring my brushes and correct it. But anyway... <laughs> <laughs> but I do that kind of thing. And I discovered many years ago, God told me in his wisdom, he told me, he said, all creativity is spiritual at its source. Music, art, eh, worship is spiritual at its source. If your worship leaders are not entering into the Holy of Holies by the blood of Jesus, then they're only being entertained by the congregation. And by the way, they were this morning entering into the Holy of Holies. I sensed it, you sensed it. If you didn't sense it, ask God, get his wisdom. So we have to be careful of the source of things. Wisdom, worldly wisdom is calculating, okay? Worldly wisdom is calculating circumstances with situational insights of the information of the world. Think about it. If the information... Anybody that works on a computer knows if you put the wrong data in, you get the wrong answer out. Computers are still stupid. They're only as smart as the people who program them. Anybody goes to a grocery store and gets the wrong answer in terms of what they have to pay knows computers are stupid. Somebody programmed it there sometime to $100 instead of $10. <laughs> so, if you're getting bad data which the world gives, sometimes accidentally, sometimes on purpose, you're going to get bad information and knowledge out, okay? Godly wisdom is viewing and researching, and we should research. You get a strange email, research it. There's lots, lots. If you don't know how to research it, ask Jesse. He knows. (laughs) There's some stuff I don't have time to research. I just send Jesse an email, and he gives me the answer in about... About three minutes, you know. But you should view and research all things. And God's wisdom is viewing and researching circumstances from God's point of view. Would you like to have God's point of view at all times? You know? There's some people testified in 9-11 that God had told them not to go to work. They're alive today. I told that to somebody as kind of a testimony, and he said, yeah, well, what about the other ones? I said, I don't know. There's lots of things I don't know, but I do know the one that does know, and that is sufficient, okay? That's what God's wisdom is, knowing God and enjoying his presence. Be careful how you walk. Ephesians 4:17 to 20 says, Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. Now that's not putting down the Gentiles, folks. Paul was Jewish, but he was born again Jewish. He was completely Jewish. He was talking about the people that don't know God. Don't walk as the people that don't know God in the futility of their minds, and the frustration of their lives. 18, they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of their heart. There it is again. Uh, They have become callous, You harden your heart too much, it becomes callous, just like a carpenter's hammer hand, right? And they have giving themselves up to sensuality, not just sexual sensuality, but sensuality like, uh, I want to do my own thing sensuality. Greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learn from Christ. Not the kind of things Jesus is. Jesus spent time, that's the investment, he spent time with the Father. He had the Father's wisdom. Now you can say, well, that was Jesus. Let me tell you, Jesus did not walk three feet off the ground with a halo. The Bible says in Philippians that he divested himself of all of his divinity because that would have been cheating. He became man, totally man. And he relied on the gifts of God and on the Holy Spirit. Okay? On the Holy Spirit to walk in the fullness of God. Reason being is he's the first fruits. He's the first human being to do that. He showed us the way that we can do it if we trust God. Amen? So if you're in doubt, ask Jesus. Ask God. Ask the Holy Spirit. He'll show you. So we learn of Jesus how to walk through this life in his wisdom. Ephesians 5, 15 to 17 says, now carefully then Look carefully how you walk, not as unwise, but wise. God's wisdom. Making the best of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Walking God's wisdom is God's will for you today. So either here or when you go home, say, God, give me your wisdom. It's a gift. It's a free gift. You'll discover that scripture really soon. Okay, it's a free gift. You have to cultivate it. After you have to grow it through God, reading God's word. But it's a gift. But it says in sixteen time, time, not dollars, not gold, not politics. Time is the most valuable commodity God has given us. We only have twenty-four hours in a day. You can't turn back the clock. But God can help you redeem the time. Speaking of time. Help me, Lord. Be careful how you walk. Be careful how you live. Be sensitive to Jesus. Be alert what's happening. We have three enemies, the world, system, the flesh, and the devil. You know, I said to a, a brother in Christ uh, a couple of weeks ago, you know, what we need to bring revival to this nation is a war like in Ukraine. And and the Holy Spirit corrected me. He said, "We, you are in a war. We're in a spiritual war. We don't see it because it's invisible. If you get God's wisdom, you can see it. Why should we, who are filled with God's Holy Spirit, redeemed by the blood of Jesus' covenant, and who are citizens of heaven, look to the world's human wisdom by our, for our source and our pattern to live? Look to God for wisdom. Philippian, uh, Proverbs, sorry, Proverbs 9.10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of the wisdom. A holy fear, you know what I'm talking about. A holy fear is the beginning of wisdom. And knowledge of the holy one is insight. First Corinthians twelve, seven to eleven. To each is given manifest of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit, the utterance of wisdom, and to the other the utterance of knowledge, according to the same spirit. So we can get we can get wisdom as a gift, as it says in 1 Corinthians twelve. Let's move on. Sources of wisdom. When we choose to make our decision based on our own wisdom, we're trusting in ourselves. We're trusting in wisdom from below. The devil's wisdom. The same wisdom that got the human race in trouble through Adam and Eve. It's earthly, humanistic, demonic, and influenced. We need God's wisdom. Jesus will forgive. That's what I said earlier. Jesus will forgive The wisest and best decision of our lifetime is to surrender to Jesus and receive Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior. Jesus will forgive us for all the bad choices if we turn them over to him and repent. The world is in bad shape. We definitely require God's wisdom to navigate in the darkness of this world. Just briefly, Revelations 2 and 3 talks about the seven churches. Four of the seven did not function in God's wisdom. And Revelations uh, 2, verses 1 to 7 talk about Ephesus. Ephesus had a lot of good things happening. But how many know that good is the enemy of the best? They had good works. They had patience. They endured. They hated evil. Yet Jesus told them to repent because they had lost the first love. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit of God says to the churches. Revelations 2, 18 to 26. Thyatira it was a really good church. They had works, and their works were increasing, Jesus said. They had love. They had service. They hadn't left, left, lost their first love. They had patience, but they're told to repent because Jezebel, uh, a teacher, prophetess, uh, an idolater, had slipped in the congregation, and they accepted her. They said, oh, we got to be loving. You know, we have to accept her, and she poisoned the church. Think about it. In Jesus is no compromise. He's the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father except through him. And so we cannot accept the compromises that will cause us to fall away from him and his wisdom. God's wisdom is much better. It is better to get wisdom than gold, it says in Proverbs 16:16, Better to get understanding. Better to be chosen than silver. Now understanding... I want you to recognize that wisdom is a gift from God, which when we receive it, we need to practice it, cultivate it, use it as that gift to discern, to get word and knowledge. And then we get understanding. And understanding, the key to understanding is standing under. Think about it. The key to understanding is standing under. We begin to understand God. How can anybody understand God? We can't fully. Maybe not even when we get there. We'll just enjoy him too much. Okay? But we do understand that which God reveals to us by standing under him. Satan made the mistake, and Adam and Eve made the mistake of trying to stand over him. Standing under God, we understand him. If you're taking a course in university, you stand under the professors, you get good marks because you understand what they say, and you write a good exam. That's intellectual. Spiritual, same practice. Wisdom from God. James three thirteen to eighteen says, "But the wisdom from above, God's wisdom, is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy, full of good fruits, impartial, impartial. He doesn't tell Ken he's going to give wisdom, and 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 then Sonny's not going to get any. By the way, Sonny has a lot of a lot of wisdom. Just footnote." <laughs> Uh, impartial and sincere, 18, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace, shalom, that is. So nothing missing, nothing broken, God's blessing, the fullness of God. And that's what happened in Solomon's life. He got wisdom and he got everything from God. Wisdom from God, the overview is truly pure, peaceable, gentle, easily entreated, When you got the wisdom of God, somebody can come at you about a certain doctrinal thing and he's arguing with you, and you listen to him. You don't try and correct him. Pray for him while he's talking, but you don't try and correct him, you know? The Lord might give you a little pointer here and there, but you're easily entreated. I am totally amazed that God is so easily entreated. How many religions do we have in the world, and their tombs are full. Jesus' tomb is empty. How many religions do we have in the world? You know, if you count all those in 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 uh, India, tens of thousands of gods over there, and yet God does not come down and say, "Hey, you guys, smarten up." <laughs> if I was God, be thankful I'm not. I would do that. <laughs> you know, He's patient. He's easily entreated. He doesn't have to prove anything. He's already given a son, full of mercy, good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy, and Righteous, righteous is rightly related to God and to others. Wisdom is a gift from God. Uh, Remember uh, King Saul. Any gift God blesses us with must be cultivated and grown. Uh, Down to slide twenty-nine. Wisdom from God. Question: Am I searching? I want to leave you with this. Am I searching for God's will? Do I really want God's will in my life? Or am I kind of like uh, ambivalent to it? Well, yeah, I want his will, you know, because I want to be a good Christian, but I really want to do what I want to do. I got some good news for you. God is not going to kick down your door and change your life to the point of really, really making his mess in your life. He's not going to do that. God placed it within each and every one of us, even before we're born, even the conception of our mother's womb, seeds, seeds to cause us to go his way, to cause us to know his purposes. And so knowing his will is not a bad thing. Knowing his will is a good thing. So am I searching for God's will? You cannot be a wise person and abandon God in your life. It's impossible. Because the wisdom you get will suck the life out of you because wisdom from below. It is not about how knowledgeable you are or how many degrees you have. Uh, All of my accomplishments, achievements, recognition, the fame and fortune cannot measure up to God's gift of wisdom. The beginning of wisdom is reverence for God. That pleases God. Do we want to please him? The benefits of wisdom are when people apply for a job, for instance, the first thing they ask for is about the benefits. What security am I gonna have for my labor? There's nothing wrong with that. but However, what about your eternal security? What about doing life Jesus' way for God's wisdom? And what are the benefits of that? The second question is just as important. What are the consequences if I don't receive Jesus Christ as my Savior? Wisdom benefits. I'll go over these quickly. Intimate fellowship with God because you're pleasing him. You're able to hear his voice. My sheep... Hear my voice, Jesus says. So be a sheep. Divine guidance and direction. A sensitive heart. One time in London, I was traveling down this T Street like that, and it was a hidden intersection, and I had the green light, and I felt the Holy Spirit say, stop, and I stopped, and this guy came through. Could have been 100 miles an hour. He's really moving. He went through the red light. We would have been T-boned and killed. Sensitive heart. God will show it to you. God's perception, discernment, seeing it God's way. God's divine protection is another benefit. He protects us when we're about his business. His wisdom is his business. Strength and power of God. He will empower us to do what he calls to do, just like he empowered Solomon. Now, Solomon did not always cultivate the wisdom. We know that he got way too many wives, and he died early. He didn't die late, probably because of the wives, but anyway, <laughs> I'm going to take the task for that one later. But, you know, like he, he should have, you know, it was God's plan from the beginning. One man, one woman. He didn't make Adam and Eve and Eve and Eve and Eve, and Eve right? He God's word. Let's see, how does it work, God? Oh, yeah, return to the manual, Okay. Strength and power of God, uh, provision of God, God will provide. He'll provide jobs, he'll provide opportunities, he'll provide understanding, he'll provide circumstances, whatever it takes. And we get a great retirement package. Amen? So, you know, if you're looking for a retirement package, accept Jesus. Wisdom benefits integrity, contentment, courage, confidence, and peace. God's peace is called Shalom. It's not just peace. It's nothing missing, nothing broken, everything healthy, and God's provision and God's presence. That's what it means. And by the way, shalom is a word in, in the Hebrew, which is used many times in the Hebrew to, for Jesus. Jesus and the Holy Spirit appear in the first two verses of Genesis. Isn't that interesting? He's always there. And he's always here. I've got to show this next slide. I have to show this next slide. Pilot Lounge. Yeah, okay, this gives you a lot of confidence. You see that? I found that on the internet, and it's hilarious. Pilot lounge, and it's written below it in Braille. Yeah, I really want to fly the airline. Their pilots can't see. But the real joke is that's part of the body of Christ. We're walking around. We can't really see as God sees us and as God sees other circumstances. We'll have spiritual growth uh, under the benefits of wisdom. God's presence and power is wonderful, marvelous approval in our lives. We all want to hear, well done, now good and faithful servant when we die. How about when we live? God's approval when we live. So how do we acquire wisdom? I'm going to close with this because I know I've used up half of my time, right? <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, James 1, 5, and 6. This is how you get wisdom, folks. It's in the Bible. Want to know how to fix your car? Refer to the manufacturer's manual. James 1, 5 and 6. But if any of you lack wisdom, come on. (laughs) You know, God gave me the gift of wisdom. I'm getting more wisdom, but I still lack wisdom. Amen? If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. That includes her, by the way. (laughs) Praise God. Let him ask of God who gives generously, liberally, hilariously to all with no reproach. He doesn't say, hey, you don't have your wisdom, and I'm not going to give you any. You know? He gives it to you graciously. And it shall be given to him and her. But, I knew this was coming, but let him ask in faith, as we know from Hebrews 1, 6. It's faith that pleases God. Did you want to please him? Let him ask in faith. Faith means I believe that when I ask, I'm going to get. Simple. Doubting nothing. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven by the wind and tossed to and fro. So it's amazing how much information we have in our world, in our lives, but how little little wisdom we have. We need to be that answer for the world, the wisdom of God, and in the wisdom of God, we'll be able to share the real Jesus with people that are crying and hungry for God. Okay, so we need to know God in the fullness of who He is. Uh, Yeah, the world is in bad shape, lots of darkness, but the reality is Isaiah 41:10, "Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God." There's the "I am." I am your God. He says. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. John 16, one of my favorite verses, Jesus says, I have said these things unto you that in me you might have peace. Shalom. But in the world, you'll have tribulation. But take heart, be of good cheer, for I have conquered and overcome the world. So you want to be in the world? Mm, yeah, tribulation. And even as Christians, we'll get some tribulation. That's not talking about end times. we got enough of that now, okay? So what we need is we need God's presence, God's wisdom. Last slide, wisdom of God is Jesus, our Messiah, is our wisdom. He is our shalom. He is our light. Shalom, shalom, shalom. May the Holy Spirit empower you, move in your life, celebrate him. Celebrate him because he's Jesus as well. Celebrate his wisdom. Know God and know what God thinks about every circumstance and be guided by him. Let's pray. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace and give you peace and give you peace. And give you peace. Yes shine upon you, and be, gra- and be gracious unto you, and be gracious, the Lord be gracious, gracious